Podcast. This is John. This is Blix. And this is Trav. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of getting to that border crossing, think it's all nice and clear, and then somebody wants you to walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> this oh. week, we are following up on our last one about Portals 4, and we are finally going to give the long and short of the Coptics. And uh, and we have Trav, who's basically been the primary designer behind them, as to walk us through that. You have joined the most secret government agency that you have never heard of. The 13th Bureau of Justice, otherwise known as Bureau 13. You are a government agent charged with the duty of disposing of the greatest unnatural threats to the people and the, and the economy of the United States and Canada. You will work under the knowledge that you are funded by an organization so secret, even the highest government officials do not know of your existence. Welcome to the elite band of people who wander the dark streets of the night, ever searching for the horrors that should not exist in this modern age. You are a special agent, stalking the night fantastic. Bureau 13 is a Gen Con award-winning RPG of modern horror and paranormal adventure. It's available from Tritag Games at tritaggames.com in both the original editions and in the D20 edition, with a new Savage Worlds edition coming soon. Remember that wherever the supernatural waits, good and evil, the agents of Bureau 13 will be there. But the evil is growing. Okay, we're, we can go down the personality and views. Yes. IKA, barbarians. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because they don't follow the Coptic Christian faith. I hate to say this, most religious cultures, they will sit there and look at lesser or different people as lesser. Therefore, the IDA, they would see them as barbarians because they are not enlightened that they follow God the same way as the Holy Church would. I prefer the term infidel or heathen, personally. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like heathen. He heathen's my go-to. Yeah. Actually, infidel being more closer because so us are Christians, and they're, but we don't follow their version of Christianity, therefore we would be infidels. Well, yeah, as soon as the Chileans, Catholic. Problem is... When Rich told me about this version of Christianity, Jesus was not nailed to a cross and left to die with the spear in the side by Longinius, the Roman soldier. 
Jesus, at age 40, decided to attack Rome on elephant back and was shot when an er shot by an arrow launched over the wall. Their symbol is the arrow, not the cross. I love it. <laughs> I love it. This is from Rich himself. The times that he and I sat and talked about this, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so you see a Chilean. <laughs> I want the T-shirt, Trav. I want Hannibal <laughs> Jesus T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Except when you go to page 25, what does that guy have in his hand? He's got a cross, yeah. Yeah. It's All more right. likely, just be honest, it was the Romans' favorite way of dealing with people. Yeah. He what, may have been captured alive, no, captured alive and then, you know, put on display by, you know, nailing, nailing him to a cross. Yeah. Crucifixion. Well, don't forget that Peter, who's the head of the church, was crucified as well. So even if Jesus hadn't been crucified, the fact that Peter was could have caused it to be become a symbol of note for the church. Yeah. Also, wasn't Peter who uh, was the one that basically? I'm trying to remember which one it was. He was he was the Roman who became Christian. Am I correct? No, that's Paul. Paul, that's right. And he was actually a Jew who had Roman citizenship who became a Christian. Because if I remember correctly, he's the one that actually basically modified Christianity so that, well, basically Romans would buy it by saying, okay, all the laws of Moses are for the, are for the Hebrews. As Christians, we actually, you know, by disbelieving in Christ, you actually have your own law. That way he can sell to Romans because then they can still eat their pork. Well, it wasn't so they could eat their pork, John. It's because all those things having to do with the Jewish heritage didn't resonate with them because it had nothing to do with their history. That's true. The, the, once they were in a new covenant, the old covenant was supplanted, and therefore, you know, whatever the rules were now, and the rules now were faith and belief in Jesus Christ. That's the primary thing of the new covenant of the Paulian doctrine. So this Paul had a, had a heck of a job selling it then. Well, hold on. See what happened. Well, he's coming in a lot later, too, because Paul came in right after Jesus, you know, not very long after Jesus' death. So he's got like another 13, 14 years to get on the bandwagon. Yeah. Do you guys know, and I could be wrong, I've read this some time ago, and it, and it could be, you know, internet knowledge, as, as it were. But what do you guys know of, of the, the religion Mithras? The Mithras religion, because I oh, seem to remember reading that that was the predominant religion in Rome prior to the the taking of Christianity, and oh, it was similar to Christian, very similar to Christianity. It, there were a lot of mystery cults in Rome around this time. It basically Mithras and there's there are other ones. Mithras was one of those most popular amongst the Romans. Uh, uh, for various reasons, um, I think because both it and Christianity both encourage women to join. Well, I'm saying I, other... I, I seem to remember that they were very. There was a lot of similarities, which is one of the reasons why they think it oh, may have yeah. taken off so well. Mithran the original Mithraism was a was a monotheistic religion. It became ah. polytheistic over time because people who adopted and modified it basically said we need more gods and added them on. Originally. <laughs> Originally, uh, Ahura Mazda was the god, and there was no one else. And yes, his name was Ahura Mazda. <laughs> uh, 
but he, but you know, if you listen to his uh, how the world's going to end, it sounds very much like uh, uh, the apocalypse. But, you know, uh, Armageddon. Well, we'll go through flame and burn. And yes, they did. You know, believe in using fire for their things. They also used a uh, slightly hallucinogenic drink to get allow them to speak to their god. So yeah, it was a party. It was a party party religion, pretty much. Oh, that sounds cool. I can dig that. Uh, all right. We have their concept of family is royalty. Which basically tells you the personality and views, who we're looking at it from. We're looking these all are from the viewpoint of the royalty. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm pretty sure that the slaves don't see themselves as being useful only for work. Uh speaking of work for slaves. Yeah, that <laughs> nice seg, Bruce. Um, yeah, pretty much the Coptics, those in power, any manual labor, they, 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 they are just, yeah, get the slaves to do it. Clean up the grounds, ban the fields, whatever, just that, that slave work. Uh, play the arena. Mm. Go to the Coliseum and watch the, the, the gladiators fight the lions, you know, or, or the chariot races or what have you. Uh, wealth. For royalty, yeah. If you're a slave, you're not gonna have a lot of gold in your pocket, just unless you're a Roman slave, which John talked about when we did Pax Romana, where many Roman slaves didn't want to give up their slavery status because they were making too much money. Yeah. So this is a different kind of slavery than the Roman slavery that John talked about. Yeah, I mean, traditional Roman slavery, even slaves that worked on a farm got a small stipend because, well, it wasn't chattel slavery. It was basically, we got to pay, pay you something so you can go and buy your own food. We're not going to feed you, you layabout. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is actually a lot closer to, um, I hate to say it, American slavery, where they literally were, as you say, John Chattel. Yeah. Where these people were to be disposed of according to the whim of the owner. And what else was important about that is an inherited, it's also inherited slavery. So it, it, it passes down from, from parent to child. In other words, children of slaves are slaves. Yeah, see, when I, I hear slavery, I don't know, I, I don't consider, oh, you get a stipend. No, you are chattel. That to me, when I hear slavery, the first thing I think of is chattel, such as how in our own American history we had slavery. Um, okay, justice. We are justice. Mm. The royalty makes the rules, and it's like I was like I had been taught back in my days of taking criminal justice. When you get a candidate that talks a lot about law and order, justice goes out the window. Or the golden rule, he who has the gold makes the rules. And I am the law. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much since the Coptics, you know, and I, I have a feeling that, yeah, despite their deep religious traditions, there are going to be times where they're going to be rather arbitrary about their laws and about their justice to fit their whim. Especially the ones who are uh, out on the paths, out on their own. Honor high. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. I think that means important. 
Yeah, to them it's important. Of course, their concept of honor, what we would see as honor, probably would be would differ. But to them, okay, by the D&D alignment scale, I would probably see the Coptics as lawful evil. Yeah, Pretty much. That sounds fair. Yeah, yeah, sounds fair. Okay, humanity, children of God. Yeah. Okay, yeah, they all see, you know, the, the Coptics see themselves as, even the ones who are not the blessed of Ra, i.e. they're fringeworthy, they're still the children of God. Man was made in God's image and, and such. Right. Well, that's why I was saying is if you really buy into that, to the to you know, then uh, if you die in combat, you know, or if you die uh, serving the church, you're straight into heaven. You know, for a lot of people, that's a better deal than they currently have. Yeah, as and like I said, once the Chileans irk off the Coptics and whatever they did, they're going to fuel that fire and everybody's going to want to go out. And even the ones who aren't fringeworthy, they're still going to do stuff in service of the church at home. Hence, there will be a huge wartime effort in the civilian population. We need to make more supplies. We need to grow more food. Us women need to pop out more babies so we can have more soldiers on and off the fringe paths. They're going to do this all for the glory of God. The religious zealotry, what, what, what's that Jimmy McMillan phrase? The religious zealotry is too damn high. Um, yeah, they're just going to be fired up all for the glory of, of, their, of their Christian God. I'm using air quotes here. And so, yeah, I just see them, that is going to be such a big thing, is just the religious ideology. Uh, politics, great game of royalty. Oh, yeah. The church, it, the, the Vatican, our Vatican, is incredibly political. So I'm not seeing much of a difference in, well, they probably, I don't know if they'd have the Vatican here. They call it, what did they call it on the, not on the timeline, but on the map of, of one. The they, church. They, the great cathedral. That's what they called it. Yes, yeah, pretty much it would be their, their version of the Vatican. And yeah, oh no, politics? Oh, it's everything but a context for these people, I'm sure. I'm sure that in the in the in the halls of power, anything goes. Honor takes a slightly different meaning when it comes to their politics. Red tape, Coptic edicts, pretty much anything that has to do with bureaucracy, it's what the church says. Oh, we need to do this form and that form. No, I said so. Okay. And this is one of the few places where they actually seem to have even the slightest amount of criticism for the way things are. Pretty much you're not going to be doubting what they say. If, if your superior says, I need you to do this, or, or I need this amount of guns for, you know, we're going out on the, front, on the paths of God, we need this amount of guns. There's not going to be a lot of bureaucracy. It's pretty much, okay, we need these guns because we need to clean off God's paths. I don't see a lot of, you know, IDEP bureaucracy with these people. And we, all four of us, know how convoluted IDEP bureaucracy can get. Heck, there's even a chart to tell how many weeks it takes to get food shipped from one, one portal to another in D20 Fringeworthy. Well, Trav, it depends an awful lot on 
whether or not they have a lot of ritual involved in what they do. If before they go to a big battle, they go through a cleansing or a a blessing or something like that, there could be a lot of things that they have to go through before they finally go and get to the final thing. So it just depends on how entrenched are their religious rituals are with their daily lives. If they're kept separate like they are in, well, in most of Christianity, then it's you know then it's not really a problem it's more of a of a political uh governmental thing but if in fact is that you know a coptic when he gets up in the morning says a prayer and everything he does is according to some you know stylized plan well then that red tape is pretty unavoidable the thing i'm also seeing is that because coptic primes christianity is a fusion of Christianity and the Roman religion and the Egyptian religion, they're going to have facets of all three mixed in. So they may end up, you know, a morning prayer to the sun and, you know, to Ra, who I don't see this as really being, if it's, if it's that much of a fusion of those three cultures and their religious ideologies, I'm not seeing this as a, a monotheistic religion. They might have God at the head, and then, yeah, God runs it all, but Ra over here is in the sun department. and Or they do it the Roman way. It's, it's Zeus, Ra, Jehovah. <laughs> and now I'm reminded of the life of Brian <laughs> with the stoning. <laughs> and, and it's, and it's, a, it's a Apollo, Jesus, uh, something or other, you know. I mean, yeah. the Romans were, the Romans did say, "Okay, you you fit here in our in our current hierarchy. You fit here in our hierarchy with, with other gods." So you get these cross gods. I mean, you know, you know, we found out when we did the uh, the Christmas our last Christmas one how much they love to just borrow from other people. Yeah, uh, I I can see that. I can see basically, and the initial Roman Empire was a mixture of you had Ra Zeus and you had. Uh, Apollo, I forgot who the Apollo's son got. No, Apollo Ra, uh, who was the main, who was the chief? Ra was the chief god, wasn't he? In Egypt, yeah, he was. He was the head of the yes. the Theopolis pantheon. Yeah. So you have two aspects then: to be Apollo Ra and Zeus Ra. Yeah, two different aspects. <laughs> so combat for wealth. Yeah, when they go out on the fringe paths. They're looking to bring riches back to fuel their empire. Apparently, mm-hmm. they didn't have a, a problem with flooding the market with gold that wasn't on their world. They were basic, because they would steal you, all the other uh, nodes they visited. The places, the people were killed and the places looked pretty picked over. So they mm-hmm. were looking at anything of wealth to bring back for the glory of their emperor. Go back to where it says wealth. Wealth for royalty, so for wealth. So who's getting it? Nobody outside of Rome and nobody right. outside of a small, very block of, of buildings is getting that wealth. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't see that, John. I mean, there's no reason to, to geographically limit it. It's just going to the aristocracy. Right. And the aristocracy is all over that planet. They could be anywhere, you know, in, from, from India all the way up to, you know, uh, Iceland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's basically all the all the royals are getting it, and no yeah. one else is. So it's not going to kill the market because there is no market. It's a right. I, I have I have no idea what their market's like. Do they even have a market? Yeah, 
we can probably assume there is no middle class on this world. You have literally the haves and have-nots. Well, there's going to be a tradesman class. I mean, it's basically trained, trained craftsmen, okay? But they're still going to be under the thumb of the royalty. Right. And it's, and it's probably merchants because they still probably need those spices from the east. And, you know, they still got to go over there and get them. Okay, you, you would have slaves, your artisans and merchants, then your royalty. Yeah. With the soldiers somewhere, like, sort of an in-between class. And the fringes, the gift of God. Well, yeah, they see, they even said it earlier in Portals 4 that the fringe paths were considered the, a gift from God, that they were granted this to go out and mm-hmm. explore their world and then beyond once the Chileans came in and stuck their noses in. And also, if you look under over in the description, the last paragraph, alongside this, the Coptics develop as a sect of warrior Christians. So we actually have the equivalent of warrior monks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but these are these are warrior Christians probably trained in the Roman way. So we're talking legionnaires. You're talking Roman legionnaires who were, were at the time some of the best warriors out there. They're Roman crusaders. Yeah, Roman crusaders, yes. And then you have the legions they command. So, yeah, it's, it'd be a heck of a thing. Oh, no, yeah, like they said, the shield wall. Yeah, earlier. The mm-hmm. phalanx soldier. Yeah, good luck getting past them. Yep. You, get, you get a Roman legionnaire with a short sword, that long spear, and that tower shield. You're going to have a rough time, as they say in South Park. You're going to have a bad time. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, until the guys with the cabers show up. Well, yeah. Then that, yeah. <laughs> Which, for our, our listeners, that's the guys that carry around a big, huge log and they toss it right into the middle of a bunch of guys who are defending against them. And if you've got a big shield wall, it's just going to crunch right down through that shield wall. Yeah, basically, if you've ever, if any of you out there have ever been to a Highland Games or a Renaissance festival, and you see the big guys, basically flipping a phone pole end over end, that's a caber. Yeah. yeah that or, 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 or they got a, a fringe law. You know, the Roman shield wall is designed to stop people coming toward it, you know, on a, on a horizontal level on all sides. It's not designed for a vertical attack other than to stop arrows. Yeah. yeah. Unless, unless they form a turtle. So when you go and drop, you know, a, uh, you know, uh, a 500 pound, you know, piece of wood, you know, <laughs> right into the middle of it. It's, it tends to be disruptive. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll try to speed through this real quick. Available skills, agriculture, social control, politics, good traits, a few <laughs> Roman virtues, bad traits, violent, spiteful, stuck up, usual quote, <laughs> submit or die slave. And then, Naming is going to be either a Roman or Egyptian motif. Yeah. As far as the Coptics. Now, obviously, there are other subject cultures. Why MMV? Your, your mileage may vary. But well, as far if, they're, as if, they're, the, if they're sticking with if they're sticking with the Roman naming na- na- nomenclature for non-Egyptians, then they actually Romans already got that covered. They actually have w- ways for people to get names that aren't Roman. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Okay. So the yeah. You know, so so they they'll have non-Roman Roman names, okay. so to speak. 
Right. But I, I think you skipped past the bad traits a little too fast there, Trav. Well, I think pretty much violent, spiteful, and stuck up pretty much says it for me. There's not really a whole lot I need to explain there. Well, I think there is because I think that this what this is saying is that you know we have a culture here, and they're basically it's a monoculture. I mean, they're all in the same religion pretty much. You know, they may worship a few different gods, but they're all over the overarching religion. So how do these – and they, they've got the Chin who are behind their wall, and they're not fighting them. So who do they fight? Well, they fight each other. Mm. No, no. Their politics – like we said, politics, a great game of royalty. Oh, no. Backstabbing and all this, it's like, yeah, that that's – Roman all the way. Yeah, but I also see them engaging in military conflicts on a small scale with each other. Yeah, small unit tactics like how we're doing our modern military today. We're not having the grand sweeping wars like World War One and Two anymore. Any military actions we have in our modern day are these small unit tactic, surgical strike teams, you know, SEAL Team 6 and all that type of thing. They're yeah, going to be doing that for, for keeping their forces sharp because... You get. You have to upkeep your army. You have to keep them tactically active, or otherwise, you know, if you don't lose it, if you don't use it, you lose it. Type thing. Hey, hey Trav. They they also have a SEAL team, but it's SEAL Team Vi. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm thinking because there is the Rus that Marla says they have the Norse to contend with. They have the Norse to contend with. They also and have they conquered. The, the the new world, or have are they in the process of conquering that world? Well, they said so they, North America discovered in the discovered. time. That's yeah. it. Discovering and conquering are two different things. Um, yeah, yeah. Two twenty-five. North America was discovered. It's twenty eighteen. Yeah. yeah, and and no no mention of of North America because I can actually see this is enough divergence in this timeline. That it's quite possible they discovered North America about the same time the Chin discovered North America on the other side. So you may actually have a Cold War going on going on in North America. Yeah. You get the Chin on one side, and you got the Coptics on the other side, and everyone in between going, "Please leave!" Like right now. Yeah, like, hey, look, there's the door. Why don't you use it? Yeah. Yeah, and then you got the South American empires, which which now get to stand. If they're not invading and conquering and colonizing, then the Inca pretty much controls South America. And the Aztecs and Mayans would control Central America. Well, Aztecs, up until the, till, till their subject people killed them, um, Mayans are already probably out of it already. But the as any but then whoever takes over from the Aztecs will be even worse than the Aztecs. So yeah, that's gonna be fun. <laughs> mm, okay. Yeah. All right. And let's of course. See. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, no. I'm just. I'm, I'm trying to look and see if there's anything else we can expound well, upon I'm, as far as. Um, well, the, this quote: "A few Roman virtues." Okay. Um, I'm trying to think. Of, we, we both like Rome. Uh, can you think of a few? <laughs> well, uh, let's see. You have. They do have a deep sense of honor and tradition. Yes. They, they, their, their history is everything. Yeah. They probably follow orders well. Yeah. And of course, national pride, you know, that, that, uh, patriotism. 
Hey, they're they're very tolerant of other cultures. Yeah, that is well. Yeah, I'm on on their own world. Yeah, because the Romans were always known. Well, we're going to absorb this culture, but we're going to let them keep them doing their thing. They just mm-hmm. have to answer to us. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. yeah. The, <laughs> and now, yeah, now another life of Brian thing. What have the Romans done for us? Roads. Okay. Besides <laughs> roads, what have the Romans given us? Plumbing. Yeah. Plumbing. Right. Ah, crap. Okay. <laughs> Fresh water. Crap. Uh. <laughs> Oh, and sewers. So we've got right. crap cover too. Right. Yeah. Uh, Man, uh, that's but, too bad. Uh, um, actually, uh, so amongst Roman uh, Roman personal virtues, there uh, there is things such as gravitas, a sense of importance of the of the matter at hand. I say these guys got gravitas. Oh uh, yeah, they probably uh, gave us the word gravitas. Industria, and they have industrious. They, they, these guys don't mind working. Okay, so which which culture gave us the kegger? <laughs> uh, let's see. Now I'm uh, looking fraternities. through. Uh, wait a minute, that's got to be the Germans. See what you did there, Mister Shepard. No, no, you know, don't be assu- don't be assuming stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, you you have Bacchus, so it has to be Romans. Well, that's know. wine. That's wine, yeah. But no, well, wine and beer, because Romans also has cerveza. Where do you think they, the name came from? They, they had beer. They had beer. The Egyptians had beer. Right. Yeah, Egyptians there had beer. So See? Yeah. Egyptian keggers. Only you drink it with a straw from a bucket. The room <laughs> too hot a party. Right. Look, it's like, like, oh my god! I, I went to the, <laughs> I went to the Mongol kegger and I've been throwing up milk all morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! What? No, no, Blix. What's that line from Alien Nation? Mandy Patinkin the next morning. Oh, I am so milked over. <laughs> oh, wow. I totally forgot that one. Yeah, or when you go to the Egyptian kegger, basically you, there's a big barrel and there's this crust on top and they hand you straws that are two foot long and say, enjoy. <laughs> I just threw up in my soul. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, going back to the bad traits, okay, you know, it's uh, – it's hard sometimes to find groups of people that you can use as inspiration for for this kind of thing, okay? And I would like to offer up uh, base, uh, the wide body of Japanese high school manga as a source for this kind of inspiration. For the bad yeah, Japanese violent, spiteful, and stuck up. Yeah, violent, spiteful, stuck up. Hmm. Ooh, okay. Sundari. Uh, what else is that? No, 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 no. We going on to that? I'm talking about the culture itself. Okay. Usually, it's very class based. It's the, there's usually people there that think they're like you know God's gift, and and if you don't like you know tow the line with them and show them the proper subservience, they're very spiteful and violent. Bad things happen. So I'm just saying, if you want to look for some inspiration for uh, Coptic culture, you might, you know, might not want to go. You might want to read some uh, Japanese high school manga. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and I will offer an anime, Itsitosen. You can treat that. There's an antifungal that you can. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think. Yeah, I think that's that top <laughs> cream that I heard about on that commercial. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, the cream that flows in that anime is. Uh, oh, okay. On. Uh, uh, is uh, well lubricated with blood. Oh, okay. Nice. Oh, ooh, all right. I know nothing. <laughs> nothing. 
Hey, look, it's time for the closer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. Okay. All right, here we go. The Coptics. First introduced in Portals 2 and greatly elaborated upon in Portals 4 with, with some historical research from yours truly, is the main foe in the Fringeworthy canon in the late campaign, 20 years plus after Fringe Discovery Zero. We have elaborated upon the Coptics so you get a sense of where they came from and where they are headed. They can be as barbaric and demonic as you can make them, but you also see from their history that they are still essentially human beings. They have their foibles, they have their flaws, they have their their virtues, as stated in the page write-up. They will test Unita because of their similarities and because of their differences. They will put Ida to task because of their level of commitment to their ideology. As Dennis Miller once said, man can be the most noble and the most barbaric being, often within the same 10-second time span. I think the Coptics exemplify this perfectly. Because you will, if you play them right as NPCs, you will get the sense of nobility from them, and you will get a sense of barbarism from them. Uh, My fellow DJ on Dementia Radio is a player in a campaign I use Coptics. I will try to PG this down. Yeah, the Coptics are copulating phalluses. I'll leave it at that at what he meant. But yeah, if you play them that right, they will come off as very good villains, yet you will still see that they are quite human. If you have any questions or comments about this episode or about the Coptics in general... Please contact us on the Fans of the TriTac podcast on Facebook, Fringeworthy RPG fans on Facebook. Drop a comment at the iTunes, at our Podbean site, or even our Yahoo groups, which I believe are still functional. We'll be more than happy to fill in the blanks for you as far as this new enemy that Unita has to deal with in order to maintain the new Commonwealth. We will have more for you next time. But until then, this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game. Hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers, this was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers.
Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.